Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 117 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We're reading Matthew chapter 17 today, and our focus is on what casts out demons and unclean spirits, prayer or faith. So this is a daily 10-minute podcast where we read one chapter of the Bible a day and discuss it. I want to welcome new listeners from Taiwan, Haryana, India, Omaha, Nebraska, Indianapolis, Indiana, Detroit, Michigan, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, St. Paul, Minnesota, and Roanoke, Virginia, all across the country. Thank you all for listening. Please do check out our website, Bible2021.com. And if I could urge you, leave us a review on iTunes and share the show with your friends. Let's open with a comment from Og from yesterday's episode on Matthew 16. He says, A side point, I've heard people challenge the divinity of Jesus based upon verse 28, where Jesus promises that some of those present would not taste death until they had seen him in his glory. In one broad sense, the verse is fulfilled in the resurrection, as the disciples saw the glorified Christ to whom all authority had been given. But you can also say this verse is fulfilled in the very next chapter in which Jesus takes Peter and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, to a mountaintop and shows them his glory. Whenever you are confronted by a challenging Bible passage, keep reading. That is excellent advice, Og. Thank you for that. Today we're talking about another challenging Bible passage that we should keep reading on, and we're going to focus on deliverance or exorcism, the casting out of demons. But the way we will be talking about that topic could really apply to many other areas of faith as well. So here's the situation. A desperate father brings his son to Jesus and asks for healing. What is the problem? Well, the son has seizures according to the Christian Standard Bible. But here's the thing. The Greek text doesn't actually use the word seizures. Interestingly, it says seleniadzomai, which is a mouthful. And it's a pretty fascinating Greek word. Now, if you look up this passage in the King James Version, it says the boy is a lunatic. And the literal Greek word seleniadzomai means moonstruck, which is incidentally where our word lunatic comes from. Lunar, of course, meaning moon. We aren't entirely sure what moonstruck means. It's only used in the Bible in these two, this, this incident and the parallel incident in Mark 9, but it does seem quite reasonable that some seizures are involved based on the father's testimony who says that his son often falls into the fire and often into the water. Let me be clear about something. Very clear. If somebody has seizures, it does not mean they are demonized. This passage has been used to uh, put a great stigma on people who suffer from epilepsy and other seizure disorders over the years, but the Bible in the original languages does not use the word seizure here, and epilepsy as a condition was basically unknown to the Greeks and Hebrews. Jesus does not ascribe seizures to the demonic. In this particular case, with this particular boy, he was greatly suffering and being tossed into fire and water, not by a medical condition that science would treat today with, you know, something like anti-seizure medication, but by some sort of unclean spirit, as Mark 9 makes clear when Jesus drives the spirit out. Verse 25 says, When Jesus saw that a crowd was quickly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, 
You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Well, let's pause our discussion for just a moment and then go ahead and read the whole passage and then we will finish our discussion. This is Matthew chapter 17, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured in front of them and his face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you want, I will set up three shelters here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down and were terrified. Jesus came up, touched them, and said, Get up, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Don't tell anyone about the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. So the disciples asked him, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Elijah is coming and will restore everything, he replied. But I tell you, Elijah has already come and they didn't recognize him. On the contrary, they did whatever they pleased to him. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he had spoken to them about John the Baptist. When they reached the crowd, a man approached and knelt down before him. Lord, he said, Have mercy on my son, because he has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Jesus replied, You unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and from that moment the boy was healed. Then the disciples approached Jesus privately and said, Why couldn't we drive it out? Because of your little faith, he told them, for truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. As they were gathering together in Galilee, Jesus told them, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised up. And they were deeply distressed. When they came to Capernaum, those who collected the temple tax approached Peter and said, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he said. When he went into the house, Jesus spoke to him first. What do you think, Simon? From whom do earthly kings collect tariffs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? From strangers, he said. Then the sons are free, Jesus told him. But, so we won't offend them, go to the sea, cast in a fish hook, and take the first fish that you catch. When you open its mouth, you'll find a coin. Take it and give it to them for me and for you. So as you heard, going back to the incident of the boy being delivered, this man initially brings his boy to the disciples of Jesus because Jesus and James and John are up on the Mount Transfiguration, but the other disciples are unable to help, which leads them to ask Jesus later on. After Jesus arrives on the scene and casts the unclean spirit out, they say, why couldn't we help? And Jesus' answer is interesting. Verse 20 of our passage says, Because of your little faith. For truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed and you tell this mountain move from here, it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So then, obviously, faith is a key to driving out unclean spirits and really almost anything in the Christian walk. But we might have a problem here because when we look at the parallel passage in Mark chapter 9, 
which is written by a different author at a different time and a different place, but talking about the same incident, it says that Jesus told the disciples a seemingly different answer to their question. Mark 9 verse 28 says, After he had gone into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? And he told them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer. So, hmm, which is it? Does exorcism and other great acts of deliverance happen by prayer or faith? Is this some kind of a Bible contradiction? Well, no. I actually think we're dealing with the very exact nature of eyewitness testimony and real history here. Rather than this being a sign of contradiction, I see it as a sign of authenticity. There's This and other texts like it demonstrate that there was no massive and systematic conspiracy in the early days of the church to kind of sanitize the Bible and make sure it's all in harmony with each other. If you ever studied eyewitness testimony, you'll actually know that it is very suspicious when several distant different testimonies uh, from different people about the same event It's weird and suspicious when they corroborate exactly in every detail. And so my belief here is that we're not at all dealing with a contradiction because neither passage, Matthew or Mark, contradicts each other. But rather, this is some kind of a divine puzzle for us. It's orchestrated to appear in Scripture the way it is to teach us a a really profound truth. Because here's the thing. I think Jesus said exactly what Matthew said he said and exactly what Mark said he said. He said both things. The reason the disciples couldn't cast out the unclean spirit was because of prayer and faith. In a very real sense, as Jesus will show us, the thing is both prayer and faith are inextricably bound. So in a sense, Jesus said the same thing. Now, to see the deep connection between prayer and faith, we need turn no further than to Jesus' long teaching on prayer in Luke chapter 18, 1 through 8. And in that message, which is all about prayer, it can be summed up in one little sentence at the beginning, always pray, never give up. And to illustrate that parable, Jesus, I mean, sorry, to illustrate that principle, Jesus teaches a parable on prayer and then concludes that long parable in this way in verse 8, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? A long parable about prayer, concluding with a question of, when I come back, will I find faith? So what kind of faith is Jesus talking about here? And I believe the contextual answer is the kind of faith that results in persisting and persevering prayer that never gives up. So Jesus is telling us in Luke 18 that faith looks like a lifestyle of always praying, never giving up. Persisting prayer and faith are inextricably bound in the theology of Jesus, and therefore the disciples could not cast out the unclean spirit because they were not walking in the faith that is expressed by a lifestyle of unrelenting prayer. Now, we could flip that around, too. The disciples couldn't deliver this dear young boy because they were not living a life marked by persistent prayer and thus lacked the faith produced by such a lifestyle. How do we persist today when we're faced with the same sorts of spiritual obstacles? Well, by faithful, persisting prayer and by persisting prayer that demonstrates and produces great faith. So not a contradiction. In fact, I think it is a deep teaching of Jesus. Well, let's close with James 4, 6, which is our Bible memory verse for the month of April. 
Only a few days left to memorize this if you haven't already. It says, He gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Oh, may we walk in the grace that is given to the humble. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.